It's Emil Stecker. I hope you're having a good restful holiday period. Peter Birch here on the Talking Health Tech podcast. We're not doing our regular programming over this Christmas New Year period, but we have prepared a few interesting episodes, all new content to keep you in the mood over the break. You might have heard the last couple of episodes have been hosted by Michelle Gardner, a member of the THT Plus community, where she's interviewed two founders so far who are also in the THT Plus community. And it's been positioned as a bit of a holiday mentoring session, getting to know a bit more about the person. And hopefully, as we're all thinking about what we're doing in 2022 and beyond, setting those New Year's resolutions or doing that strategic planning, these types of conversations will get us in the mood. So this one, you're going to hear Michelle speaking to Dr. Louise Metcalf, the founder of George, the little robot app that helps kids with anxiety. You would have heard from Louise recently on the podcast in an episode she did with me earlier this year. But in this one, you'll get to learn a bit more about her and her journey, her career path, her reflections on her career so far, that progression of doing psychology, then doing the technology piece and becoming a tech founder. You'll hear an interesting story about how the name George came to be and what it has to do with a robot vacuum cleaner. And if you've got a crazy idea that you don't know how it will become reality, got a feeling this one might be a little bit of inspiration for you. There's some use for reflections on what to keep in mind when you're building apps and technology for kids, especially technology that's designed to improve their mental health. This one's also a good one for those introverted founders to get some inspiration from and highlights the importance of being patient with yourself, noticing when you're not doing so well and doing the right exercises to quickly get you back on track. Lots more in it too. After the music, you'll hear Michelle chatting with Dr. Louise Metcalf. Let's get into it. Collaboration starts with a conversation. Team Health Tech, let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. So today I'm talking with founder of George, an app designed to help kids with anxiety, Dr. Louise Metcalf. Hi, Louise. How are you today? Great. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you here today so we can talk through some of your preparation for next year and learn a little bit about your career path and what's been happening. So I'm going to kick off with my favorite question of all time, which is if you could give past you a piece of life advice, what would it be? Oh, yeah, this is a hard question. There'd be a lot of advice in there. I think um, <laughs> it's good you didn't give me a word limit. You know, there's horrible ones. <laughs> three words you would tell. <laughs> but I do have three words. I would say, you got this. Because when I was young, I had anxiety. It was that time, though, pretty much explained away as oh, she's just shy, you know, so that shyness thing, which is really cute in girls, you know, it's acceptable. So I'm worried a lot about the future and my future and how I was going to go. And I got a lot of messages from my surroundings about the things that I couldn't do rather than the things that I could do, just the nature of the times and the people really. So, yeah, and I'd probably tell myself, look, you know, it turns out okay. Turns out you're pretty good at making decisions. So you don't need to worry so much. Just go for it and you got this. That's amazing advice, amazing advice. And so for people who haven't, you know, heard of you before, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and where you are today? Sure. So I'm a psychologist, a senior psychologist. 
I've been practicing for almost 30 years in mental health in various ways. I've been an international consultant. I've worked with the United Nations. I've done so many things in psychology. I've built mental health tech before. I've helped a lot of early career folks become psychologists and to become confident psychologists, great practitioners. So yeah, I've done a, I've done a lot. <laughs> it's all been a bit of a journey. I've never really stopped practicing one-to-one the whole way through because it's so wonderful. The downside of practicing one-to-one is you're only helping one person per hour though, and that always felt a bit oh, to me. So I've always had to do other stuff as well, working with organizations, working with whole countries. Yeah. So just focusing on building mental health for communities. And how did you transition into technology from being a psychologist? Because I know, you know, the sitting in a chair talking to people is a very specific skill set and the tech is completely different. Yeah, I was so interested in technology. Like I've been following in psych, we call it human factors. So following all the human factors research and, you know, all the sort of behavioural design stuff as well. And then when I did my PhD, I got to then move on to teaching and working with research students. And luckily, some of them were interested in tech. So that's where we were able to build some mental health tech, you know. It's all very, these days, you know, George is so sophisticated compared to the, the sort of tech that I built back then. <laughs> very, very different. It was very much cobbled together bits and pieces to create behavior change but yeah we got real behavior change the one I remember the most because it was so uh, mind-blowingly impossible to try was the one on emotional intelligence so we actually built cobbled together technology to help adults you know improve emotional intelligence and we tested it pre and post with the mesquite which is a really famous emotional intelligence test and I, I nearly fainted we actually got a result too <laughs> amazing amazing so that's been fun and then um i had my own kid a little over six years ago now and that's when the idea for george came about because i took him to daycare as you do as a mom and everybody once they knew i was a psychologist everybody wanted to talk about childhood anxiety so that really freaked me out and it's a terrible condition and it's so unnecessary you know there's so, so many great treatments and there's this weird quirk of fate where I was also doing some workforce modeling for a friend who was submitting to the Medicare review and when I put the two side by side I thought okay I know where my career has been leading now it, it's to this I need to build a technological solution for the lack of psychology workforce that we have now and we will have in the future. So there's George. Fantastic. And so when you came up with that idea, what were the, like the first steps that you took? So a lot of people describe ideas as being this thing like a lightning bolt, but was that the experience for you? Well, no, I wouldn't so explain it like that. I, what was happening was I was like, you know, I put these two pieces of paper down beside each other on my desk and it was just so obviously a problem. And I was like, oh, just, oh, this is horrible. So I do what I always do when I've discovered something horrible. <laughs> I, go and, I go and cook. 
cooking is so great. It's a very mindfulness activity. It's very senses-based. You do have to actually taste stuff and smell stuff to make sure it's going to taste good. So I always go straight to cooking. Anyway, I was chopping my vegetables and my little robot vacuum cleaner, who I highly recommend those. They're awesome. <laughs> Wandered around and I've always called him George. So... <laughs> <laughs> I always talk to him. I've always talked to the to the robot. Like, How are you going today? Did you get it all done? Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> I feel like it's a friend. So, and I was chatting to my little robot vacuum cleaner, thinking, you know what? Everybody needs a George. We need Georges that can actually help you to stay mentally healthy. You can notice when you're dipping off and can bounce you back in super efficiently you know so yeah but george as he's spelt now for the actual app is an acronym gentle to humans emotion and thought organization and resilience guide is what he stands for but it did come from this original discussion that i had with my little robot vacuum cleaner george <laughs> i love it the robot workforce is supporting you in so many ways right. like. <laughs> we're good friends being robots we're really good friends <laughs> My father actually says thank you to all of the boom gates at shopping centres. Yes, so, yes. you know, when the robots take over, they will remember him, surely. That's right. See, he'll be on the, you know, we like this human side. <laughs> on, on the good list, on the good list. So how did you go from this conversation with your robot vacuum cleaner to being a founder? Like, what's that journey look like for you? Oh, wow, that was a, that's a horribly long journey, actually, like, but the first thing I did was designed an actual hardware robot, which sounds horribly difficult, but because there's so much on the internet now, you can look up everything, it really wasn't that difficult to do. I sort of put bits and pieces of technology together and I had a friend who is a sort of pseudo-engineer, inventor, look, mm. look at it, and she, she was, you know, refined a few things, which, yes, this guy would definitely run and um, made a prototype of the body and the body was built from a kind of wood. Uh, the actual like full-on built design would be this uh, special kind of wood that actually um, is very robust, super robust. So you could actually throw it against a wall and he wouldn't break. Um, oh, wow. Because <laughs> kids with anxiety can do things like that, right? <laughs> of course, it's stressful. It's very stressful. That's right. So you had to be able to bounce a bit. And that design actually comes from World War II plane, which is called the Mosquito. So I pulled together all these very different things to kind of create this little, little guy who would actually, you know, the plan was that somehow we would figure out how we could go to and from school, you know, home to school and home again to actually help kids, you know, when they needed it whenever. And then I discovered pretty rapidly talking to people that nobody was going to allow a psychologist to build a hardware robot. <laughs> <laughs> so I quietly um, shelved him. I, I did register his design before I got this horrible feedback, but um, yeah, I quietly shelved him thinking, you know, if I win a lotto, you know, then I could maybe follow this pathway. Uh, and then I just thought, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think it was probably about six months later that I was being a regular psych, you do notes. 
So I was doing my notes and don't hold it against me, but Facebooking at the same time, <laughs> just between <laughs> you and me, you know. And um, yeah, I was, uh, like this crazy thing came up on my Facebook feed, which was, do you have a crazy idea that would change the world? And well, actually I do. And I put it in. And uh, it, this was not to build a hardware robot though, because I'd learned that was never going to happen. So I aimed for his brain as a kind of app that kids could carry around on a device instead. And that was an application, it turns out, for She Starts, which was powered by Blue Chili. And yeah, I actually got in. You could knock me over with a feather. <laughs> and that's when, you know, George, the app really sort of started his journey to come to life. And what sorts of skills did you feel like were supporting you from your previous experience versus what skills were you like, oh, quick, I need to learn this, or this is a bit of a weak spot for me? Gosh, I think as a kid with anxiety, right, you always have your weak spots fairly prominently in your head, and I definitely grew my career the same way. I, was like, oh, I haven't learned this part of psychology yet, so I'm going to head over here and learn from this supervisor and, you know, I'm going to try doing this part of psychology with this backup, you know. So um, I didn't actually know that accelerators existed at the time that I applied, but, you know, reaching out to ask for help is definitely part of my DNA and has been since I started my psychology career. I didn't actually mean to study psychology. It was I didn't actually mean to get into university. <laughs> All my friends were doing the HSC, so I did it. And then I got that letter and I was like, oh, my God, I actually got in. <laughs> and because I hadn't seen my career counsellor, because I didn't expect to get in, I had no idea what subjects to pick when I actually got there. But one of the subjects that I blindly picked was psychology. And I turned up to the first lecture and the first lecture was like, you know, a pretty interesting kind of look at personality where it was like, you know, if you're an introvert, you're more likely to suffer from all these things. And if you're an extrovert, you know, the world's more built for you. And I'm an introvert. So I was like, oh, no. And <laughs> it was so interesting. I was hooked from there. And that there's quite a strong kind of culture in psychology where you do reach out. So I learned very quickly from that point forward. You got questions? Reach out. Don't know this area? Reach out. So it was very, it was very natural to actually, you know, respond to the application. As a founder, of course, like it totally fits. If you, we don't have answers to pretty much everything. There's always going to be another problem. So. <laughs> reaching out is so powerful and not just to mentors but to other founders like I actually find working with other founders phenomenally powerful because they're often doing they're solving the same problem you are so instead of having to spend a lot of money to solve this problem you can actually sort of you know combine your efforts and figure it out together so yeah very helpful I love that you've built up this founder supervision network that's that's powerful. I like that. <laughs> love them. Totally love them. And thinking a bit about your career so far, what do you think has been your biggest challenge to date? Well, pretty much everything. Um, one of the reasons why I didn't expect to get to university is no other woman in my family had ever gone. So, wow. yeah. And, you know, um, education for women wasn't particularly promoted in my family so it was a real shock to get in but so I was the first to go to university 
but I was the first to get a degree, the first to get a profession and many other firsts in between and groundbreaking the whole way through. But the downside is you don't really have anybody to, to talk to and your family does find it very weird. Like I, I often have conversations with the older people, not the younger people, but the old people in my family where they're, they say things like, but why? You know, but why, why would you? <laughs> it's not relevant for a woman, you know. <laughs> Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> yeah, they just don't understand the, the value of it and the incredible, really, mental health effects, I think, for actually, yeah, engaging in study and engaging in work and professions and having peers and, yeah, it's just so unheard of. So, But the younger generation obviously came after me, so they're very different. There's lots of curry women now and love, love, love that. It's so powerful that you overcame that. I know that not having like immediate family support must have been such a challenge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was one part of my degree where the textbooks were so phenomenally expensive that I saved for them. I didn't get them till nearly the end of the semester, but saved for them by literally starving myself. I only eat like oranges and rice and, and that you get your vitamin C and you get your energy. and You don't get scurvy that way. Yes. Exactly, right? And you make it and then you get your textbook and then you're like, I'm eating a burger. <laughs> That's some exceptional resilience. I can see why you're a very successful founder with that behind you, Thank the you. determination. And thinking about your motivation, so... you've got this organisation, you've had this idea come to life. Have you always found yourself to be a motivated person or is that something that you have to balance and and measure out? Well, yeah, I'm very motivated. I have a really strong work ethic. Probably at some point comes from the desire to prove people wrong, right? Like there's a little bit of of that in there for sure. A little bit of rebellion in there. But I think I'm very human, You know, there are definitely times when I'm not well, you know, I've literally burnt the candle too many times at both ends. Or, you know, it's just been a really shitty time. Like, you know, the first year of COVID, the really long lockdown, I had definitely had some mild depression at the end of that. And as a result, right, I put myself on my own therapy. It's like, you, you're doing this, Louise. Do it now. Get up. Oh. <laughs> Here's the next exercise. You know, do this mental health. Then the next one. And that's it, right? <laughs> and now rest, right? I can be a bit of a sergeant major with myself. but Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to like, you know, when you're in those moments, you've got to be able to go, I'm not myself right now. You know, like I know that one day I will be as productive, as switched on, as excited as I used to be. But right now I've got to be okay with me not being like that and I've got to have patience. And Yeah, I had my days where I was not quite so level-headed, but, you know, just kind of doing that I think is incredibly important, being able to notice when you're starting to kind of not do so well, take action really quickly do the right exercises. Luckily, I know those, but you can always go and see your friendly neighbourhood psychologist and get some and just, yeah, just be patient. You will get better. You know, the brain is incredibly plastic and resilient and you can rely on it, even if it's, you know, been through a lot. 
And how often do you check in with yourself? Is that like every morning, a couple of times a day, once a week? What's that schedule like? Yeah, it really should be every day. It should not not that good, unfortunately. I have days where I just kind of run and run and run. So it's the days when I get to just, you know, have a moment. And I challenge myself to just think of myself as a human sitting right now. You know, like I'm nothing more, nothing more in this moment. This is all I am. And it feels lovely. But in those moments, you kind of go, okay, oh, yeah, I am a bit on the, I, I'm a bit on the low energy at this point or, you know, like you can tell how you are in those moments because you just literally have stopped. It's lovely. should do it, Michelle. I should give it a go. I should. I should definitely do it. I will I'll take homework from this meeting. Awesome. Amongst all the other lessons, definitely. So we're talking in December and the year's starting to wrap up potentially. I mean, I know I'm still panicking a little bit about the year coming to a close because it feels like it's been both fast and slow. Yep. How do you prepare for the new year? Yeah, I try and do something very different in my family, which is just to have a moment to focus on strengths and wins and the stuff that went right this year, right? And some of that's because you worked hard and that's awesome, but some of that's also just potluck. And you do have to sit down and work out the difference, you know, because you it's very normal to focus on weaknesses. I think that's very easy for human beings to do it's not easy to actually notice your strengths and you only really make progress you know big progress when you take your strengths and you build from there so that initial moment of just kind of stop you know go through your rapid reports that you've been doing all year for your shareholders or something and draw out the things that actually worked and and then I, I do that for myself and I do that for my team as well because startup land, startup journey is very fast-paced and you can be very immediate and very much focusing on the problem, solve the next problem, and that can be very challenging to kind of keep up morale-wise. But if you just stop and look at the strengths and look at all you've done and, yeah, so that's my first port of call. I do that for myself and do that for the team. And then we think about... You know, how do we build from here? How do we take these strengths that we, we know we've got now and use them to do something amazing for kids in 2022 or for ourselves, you know, like we're all human beings too. So, you know, it's it's how do we grow ourselves as human beings so that we just we can do more or better or reach that next spiritual level or whatever in 2022. And so it sounds like you go through quite like a reflective business process where you call out those strengths so you look at the things that have gone right and things that could improve but do you also look at like personal development as goals for next year or setting some milestones around you as an individual yeah absolutely that's part of the psych thing as well is we're we're made to kind of create cpd plans for the year so that's kind of enforced on the psych level but personally yeah i always look at the main domains of life like I used to have quite a long list, but now I use this list from Design Your Life, which is a book written by a couple of guys from, I think, Harvard, I think. Uh, And it's just this sort of four things. It's health, it's play, it's work, 
and it's um oh my goodness what's the fourth one <laughs> can't remember but health oh of course it's love love and relationships number four of course uh, obviously you don't have to have those in that order you can swap it around do what you like but when you kind of like look at your life with this kind of like it's really a rule of thumb you know you're not really sitting down and kind of going hmm, how many relationships have i got now or something <laughs> relationship kpis yeah it. it's not like that it's more you kind of look at these four areas and you go how satisfied am i like you know health is the obvious one right like is my health you know to a level that i'm i'm good with you know and if not then what can i what should i you know shuffle around in my day or my week to kind of you know work on that and that's that's how you kind of focus it's just just little things that you can change habits you know whether you walk to the bus or whatever how far you walk you know if it's a health thing and just little things that you can change daily or weekly so that you're working on one of those or two of those four areas in your life and they become more satisfied as you sort of go through. I like that model and book recommendations, always a fan. <laughs> so I'm going to drill into one of those, play, because that's a passion point of mine. What do you do for play in your life? Oh, my God, I love that that is a passion point of yours, Michelle. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of play. Like you often find adults who kind of go, oh, but you know, play is for kids. And it's not right. It's play is actually right around the animal. Like you look at a number of animal species, they play. Dolphins play, octopi play, monkeys play. You know, monkeys have a great sense of humor, actually. They throw poo at each other all the time because it's funny, you know. <laughs> it is a thing. Human beings have to make their play, though, because particularly as we get it, become adults, we often become super serious about bills and money and things like that. So, yeah, got to make it. So one of my favourite things is to swing, like swing, right? I totally get that, yeah. <laughs> That's we're lucky enough to have a little bit of a backyard where we are, and um, I bought this three-person swing, which is like ridiculously large in the backyard but that way we can all swing together in a little family and it feels lovely and I love to swing in the morning I, and there's also a bed swing where I can read and swing and <laughs> I love it super important swinging is so brain healthy too it's really good for the brain it just would be a very mindful thing I think oh sure. yeah yeah and the rhythm the yeah. sort of practice of the exercise, you know, your legs out and your legs in and the body's moving like that is great for a sense of flow and peace and, yeah, it helps the amygdala reduce and be more healthy. And, yeah, swinging is so good. They actually recommend it now for kids with ADHD. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I am learning so much today. This is great. <laughs> So what are you looking forward to next year? Oh, I've got to be so careful about that now, don't you? Like I've got a, a friend who goes, I'm not booking any holidays because every time I book a holiday, there's a bloody lockdown. Yes. <laughs> um, so hard. I'm really looking forward to helping more kids, actually. You know, we did our first scientific, you know, study of George, just looking at the activities in the app. So there's more complicated stuff we can do. But the initial studies were awesome. 
they demonstrate a very significant effect for kids using George and just, you know, reducing panic, which is the most distressing symptom of anxiety. So it's just when I saw that, I was just so excited. You know, like there's just so much we can do. This is a great first cab off the rank, but see what else we can do, you know. So super excited about that. Um, super excited about seeing what my team does next year. They are amazing people. They find, you know, new ways of getting George out to kids, I think, almost every month. And they work together so well, so they're really quite phenomenal. The, the truth is, you know, the group can do so much more than the individual, and they, they really live that. They're just awesome. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing what my kid does. <laughs> He's amazing. Every time he does something new, I'm like, how did you learn that? That's amazing. They're just so surprising, aren't they? When he first started walking, obviously, a few years ago now, there was this moment where I was like, how did you learn to walk? And, yeah, looking forward to us as a family and how, how we, you know, what we choose to do next year. There's lots of stuff going on here at the moment. There's lots of renovations, which is not the most fun, but looking forward to the effect. Close being finished. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a good year, but don't worry. Uh, I'm not booking any holidays and neither is my friend, so that's a good sign. <laughs> so we should all be safe. Yeah, it feels like that, you know, when you wash your car and then it rains. Yeah. It's probably the same thing. Certain people can't book holidays. <laughs> that's it. Oh, it's and how do you sort of sit down and think about George and, and think about what should be coming in the future? What kind of influences you or inspires you on the, the journey that you're going to go on? I think it's, you know, the idea of the vision of um, no kids suffering with anxiety ever again. You know, I'd love that. That would really just gives me chills to even think about it. You know, it's just so awesome. It's such a horrible thing for a kid to have to deal with. And the other overarching kind of BHAG that George has to one day, one day reach is to actually end childhood self-harm and suicide. And, you know, that's a proper BHAG, a proper, proper BHAG. But that's part of the mission. We really want to reach that. We want to figure that out somehow. So that stuff. And, you know, we really, we build with kids. So <laughs> quite often... We take this beautifully worked out therapy, which is you know, in the guidelines and awesome. Really, we know this stuff works. We take it to kids and we say, you know, make it cool. And they go, oh, this starts really bad. Or, um, you know, the characters. Sometimes we develop characters based on psychological principles and we go, we take those to kids and we're like, what do you think? What do you think? And they're like, ugh. Oh, At least God. you have a very honest user base. Oh, they're so That's grounded, cool. right? And they just really ground you as well. It's awesome. <laughs> the original George was like that. He was um, a character that's totally gender neutral, obviously, because that's a good principle, right? We, we put that together really beautifully. And he he's called George because girls and boys could be George. Mm. And we first tested this with kids. They're like, no, <laughs> you really got this wrong. George is a boy and he has a sister called George. Well, they called him, called her all sorts of things, but we decided on Georgie. Yeah. And they thought, yep, okay, that's passable for an adult. So that was fun. <laughs> You're very grounded. So they always surprise us, right? Like they always kind of challenge us a lot. And the other thing that we're challenged by is George is gamified. 
but he's gamified in a very deliberately non-addictive way. So we don't use Pavlovian mm. principles, you know, the kids feel they have to sort of come back and come back and come back, you know. Remember the old Tamagotchis? If you didn't feed them, they died. They would die. Yes, I'm still traumatised. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, see, horrible. We don't want to do that to kids. So he's gamified in this really sort of nice, life-affirming kind of way. But kids often, when we say make something cool, they're like, you know, God, you could, you know, you could put guns in this, you could shoot, shoot things down. Great feedback. Loving that feedback. <laughs> so we often get challenged around some stuff, but yeah, we totally could put guns in it. But no, we're not going to. And <laughs> how do we make that work? How do we make that still, you know, really fun for kids? <laughs> wow. Okay. So it initially sounded like you were quite, you know, very, very user centric, and you still are making decisions, saying, okay, we'll change some of the rules to suit to the kids. But then, obviously, yes, no to guns. So you have to kind of play that tug of war to get the balance between serving you know the product that is therapeutic and efficacious and also keeping kids happy so that's uh yeah that sounds very challenging very very they have such you know much bigger experiences these days right like zombies in minecraft and yep all sorts of weapons and cars and things like that so it's a challenge <laughs> you mentioned gamification aspect and also trying to balance it against not being something that is you know addictive and sending all the lights off in the dopamine center how do you do that <laughs> i know look this is something we're still working on i don't think we've entirely nailed it but the principle that we build from is that identity expression is really positive and affirming and we all like to come back to that stuff. So, for example, you might like to draw and paint, right? And we do that to express ourselves and it feels wonderful and we come back to it. Yep, there are times where you put down your paints and they gather dust for a while, but eventually you come back. So that's the principle we're, we're trying to sort of build from, a really healthy gamification which just allows kids to be self-expressive and to enjoy that process and to want to come back and do it again. George himself has a personality, obviously, so there's also a little bit of they like this character and they want to spend time with him. But we don't want to see kids on the app for longer than about, you know, seven minutes is kind of our top. So if it, if it starts to get above seven is when we're starting to go, oh, I think we're, we're too far. We're too far on one side here. We need to pull something back. Let's have a look. But at the moment, we've got that well managed. But I do think it's, a, it's definitely a moving target because kids are constantly exposed to new stuff. So we need to keep on top of that and we need to keep watching the times that the kids use George. And, yeah, it's constant effort. <laughs> yeah, not easy. I bet. I bet. So we're coming to the end of our time together. This has been fantastic. Is there any other kind of advice you would want to give? Because we're looking to use these as a bit of a blanket mentoring tool. So is there any other last kind of ideas or words that you want to share? Yeah, I think, you know, we all have a tendency to kind of go, oh, I didn't achieve as much as I wanted to this year, you know, and obviously COVID, I think, played a role for most people around that didn't do as much, didn't achieve as much, didn't see as much, you know, in my, I've just lost a year of my life kind of thing with two years of my life. So I think I want to just encourage people to kind of recognise that 
you've just been through a massive worldwide event. You know, it's super challenging. You've been through something which is akin to something that our grandparents went through, great-grandparents through, you know, world wars. So it's not a time for life as normal. It's not a time for being that same person that you've always been, you know. If you got through it, you've done it, you know. You deserve the badge. That's enough, you know. You don't need to add this stuff on top of it. Walk around super, super duper grateful and happy and proud that you made it. That's the amazing thing in all this and that's the thing not to lose sight of. That's lovely, lovely advice and it is in theory like a traumatic event to have gone through for everyone but yes we should all get badges i'm down for a badge that sounds very gamification (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so funny life gamification life gamification (laughs) yes definitely well thank you so much for this time it's been fantastic getting to learn about your career and your process and a lot of your really amazing behaviors that you sort of practice so thank you very much pleasure michelle thank you so much Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.